up, what up? It's your boy M. Serious in the building. This is the Wake Your Ass Up podcast on your ass. Live one time, just free your mind. Now we back once again. What up, Amon? Peace, peace. Peace, peace to the people, y'all. Uh, namaste, Hotepu. Assalamu alaikum. Um, shalom. Alafia. And all the other greetings of peace to all the Mediterranean family and all the other people around the world. Peace. Yeah, man, we told y'all we was going to give you a part three uh, to the slavery and the Spanish territories episode. So we're going to wrap up his synopsis on slavery um, during those times. I know a lot of people had questions and comments about that. So we're going to explain a little bit more in depth about the subject and just move forward. So without any further ado, I move. Please elaborate on the subject, man, and uh, get us with it. Let's go. Okay, so uh, so now back to the subject at hand, which is the slavery, what the slave trade, the opening up of the slave trade of the transatlantic slave trade, uh, well, the pre uh, transatlantic slave trade, which would be the the Portugal slave trade and the Spanish trade, uh, slave trade from the fourteen hundreds to the seventeen hundreds. So now. Our last two that we did, the last two that I did was um, I talked about Columbus and uh, Sir Francis Drake. Um, I talked about um, Cortez and the Conquistadors in the 1400s, Queen um, Isabella, King Ferdinand. Um, I talked about the Intercaterra, which was the age of discovery, which allowed them to go off on these inquisitions to go to quote unquote discover the new lands and find new lands for this uh, Spanish empire. Um, and so I told you guys that I was going to give you guys more in depth detail because you had, a, you, you asked me a question series and um, I want to answer that question in full, but you kind of asked the question a little bit ahead of time, but uh, it was a perfect question. And one of the questions that you asked me was, um, uh, you asked about these Moors and these pirates, and you asked were they free? Were they free Moors? So, um, yeah. So, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna expound on that, and I'm gonna get to that. So, uh, what I'm gonna talk about today is, um, I want to talk about the Barbary, okay, or the Burberry pirates, all right, and the Corsairs, the Barbary Corsairs, and the Ottoman Corsairs who are these Burberry pirates who are on the sea, okay? And they they are around Turkey, they're around Italy, they're around Sicily, they're around uh, the whole Mediterranean, they're around uh, West Africa, what's called the Gold Coast, what they call the Gold Coast, and what they call, uh, what you get called the Barbary Coast today, what's called the Bar- because of the Berbers and the Barbers and these um these groups of people, these uh, pirates, okay, what's called the Barbary uh, Coast. So now, um, these Barbary pirates, okay, these were groups of sailors, and these are free men now, and these pirates, what they're doing is they're intercepting the slave trade. They're intercepting Spain and Portugal and all of these different people who's coming through for the Inquisition, for the uh, Reconquistadora, re the reconquering, 
Okay, the Reconquista. They had the first Conquista, which was being the 1100s and the, and the uh, 1000 AD. Okay, when you uh, look up the uh, right before the Renaissance. Okay, you had all these different Inquisitions. So they went off to this. So now they're on this Reconquista. Uh, and so um, <clears throat> these Berbers, these some of them were Christians. Some of these uh, Burberry pirates were Christians. And, and I'm going to read a little bit of this for y'all. Um, it says the Burberry pirates are called Burberry Corsairs or Ottoman Corsairs were Ottoman pirates and privateers who operated from North Africa, like I said, okay, in the Barbary Coast, based primarily, based primarily in the ports of Sale or Saleh, excuse me, Saleh, uh, Rabat, Algiers, Tunis, and Tripoli, okay? This area is basically uh, Europe, okay? And, and, and also what's called the Barbary Coast is a term derived from the, like I said, the, the Berber inhabitants that extended throughout the Mediterranean from West Africa, like I was saying, from the uh, Nigerian, the Benin, the, the Asante people, all these different people from West Africa to the Atlantic seaboard and to North Atlantic all the way down to Iceland. That's these barbarians, okay? That's these barbarian pirates all the way down to Iceland, okay? Now, they were seizing merchant ships, like I said. They were seizing merchant ships, and they engaged <clears throat> and they engaged and raised on the European coast, uh, on their towns, their villages, and uh, mainly in, once again, Italy, France, Spain, Portugal, and also in the British Isles. The Netherlands, as far as Iceland, once again, and the main purpose was to capture the Christian slaves, was to capture the Christian slaves, okay? Because um, Columbus, Columbus had on his first uh, sail, on his first voyage, he had 200 men with him on his, on his first sail. And he brought back some slaves, I think 20 or 10 slaves, 10 to 20 slaves with him. So, um, you know, when they was navigating these oceans, while they navigating these oceans, they weren't the only one navigating the oceans. Because once again, there were, there were several groups of these Ottomans, of the Turks, of the uh these these Muslims, the 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 Byzantine, these people were were uh navigating the seas. These are uh so-called your Berbers. These are your Berber tribe and your so-called Moors. Now when you when you say the word when you say the term Moor, the term Moor is not given to a connotation of a direct people. Okay? Just like the term black. The term black does not give you a terminology to a direct people, okay? So when you say the word more, there's there's several groups of moors. The tiny moors, you know what I'm saying? You have the morescas, which which are these Christians that they call the morescas. These are these so-called, some of the black ones. These are Christians, okay? They call them morescas. So you have different groups of so-called moors or morenos or the morenas, okay? And you got the Ottomans, all right? You got the Turks, the Byzantines. Like I said, once again, you got the people coming out of Persia, Chaldea, out of Greece, all of these different places that they were, that, that the so-called Moors were, were patrolling and conquering and on that sea because Christopher Columbus is an Italian, okay? And we know that the Moors directly conquered, went over there in Sardinia inside of Italy. 
okay? And they set up universities, and so the the, the Moors had university schools, and they knew about circumnavigating. So, you know, regular Europeans, because they was coming out of the dark age. So these Moors were set up, and they had forts, and they were set up, and like I said, then they would attack. They would attack them coming coming off of the coastline. They would attack them, and so uh, these were Moors, and also um, Christopher Columbus. He had Moors on the ship with him. And I'm going to get to the name. I want to call some of these Moors out. And uh, after I do that, I'm going to give y'all a top 15. The top 15 people that you need to know. The top 15 uh, Spaniards and conquistadors who were the most important figures who had their whole hand involved in this. I'm going to give y'all that in a minute. But first, I want to make sure that I give y'all the proper name. So we had one of the Moors was uh, Martin Alonso Benzon, okay? Benzon, Martin Alonso Benzon was a Moor. Pedro Alonso Nino was a Moor, all right? He was a Moor. Vincent Yanez Benzon was a Moor, all right? And he was the captain. He was the captain of the Penta, and he was a Moor. Can I, can I ask you a question, Amon? Yes, sir. Uh, what, what, what is a Moor? Somebody may be listening to this, and they may not know what that is. Uh, could you kind of give an explanation to what a Moor is? Okay, so now I talked about the Moors, okay? I talked about the Moors in the, in, the, in, the, in the first one and the second one. Now, the Moors are the people coming out of the area which they call Mauritania, which is East Africa, okay? This land that was in East Africa, um, some, some historians will say that a lot of the stories would say that this area was a rocky, like, mountain region that a lot of people wasn't inherited. A lot of the Africans wasn't really inheriting it. There's this area like that. So these Berbers, these so-called Berbers, okay, which are these people who are like nomadic people, they coming out of the area of Asia Minor, coming coming from Turkey and Asia Minor right off the coast. And that's right. And some would consider that Africa, the Asia Minor, because that's, that's, that's the back door to get to Asia right there, in and out the back door from Asia to Africa to uh to Turkey throughout the door of Asia uh, Minor. So now these these people, not to lose y'all, these people travel, right? These Berbers, they travel down from some say from um some say the Berbers are coming from Saudi Arabia. Some say some of the groups of Berbers tribes are coming from Saudi Arabia. Some say the Berber tribes are from Morocco, Mauritania. So now these people travel and and they go to the to the tip of Africa. They come to the tip of Africa, and then they start to invade down. They start to come down. These people start to come down, and these these uh so-called Moors. Now, once again, then not to confuse you, you have certain groups of Moors. The there there have never been a tribe in 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 uh, recent Africa or ancient Africa who called themselves Moors. Moors is not a tribe, and we all know that Africans and all indigenous people, they were clans and tribe members, okay? So there is not a Moorish tribe. There's not a such thing as a Moorish tribe. So the Moors so, and the Moresco... One action, okay. just a quick question, just a quick interjection. Okay. Um, a lot of people um, perceive Moors as being Muslim. So... What 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 you're saying is that there were not only just Christian Moors, there were Muslim Moors, there were all different types. Uh, 
so a bore is, is, is not necessarily um, a certain type of religion. They're just coming from a certain region of East Africa. Yeah. And, and they expanded over time to other areas um, out of their centralized location of East Africa, right? Correct. Correct. And they expanded in other areas out of the central, centralized location of East Africa. These people. Because. Right. When you talk about wars, they kind of they kind of uh, reference the the uh, the gentleman Noble Ju Ali. Uh, that because that's the first person I I, I knew as, a, as as being a boy when I got introduced to it. And I know some people who may watch shows like Sinatra TV or other you know black YouTube channels may see that. So. This may be something new for those who just know that one area. So I appreciate you explaining that because it kind of opened up people's eyes to not only the Boar's Temple, but the other different area areas of Boar's that they that they were. But it wasn't just one type. That's right. It wasn't. It wasn't just one type because it was a um, you know, uh, Africa has has been invaded for thousands of years at this time. All right. So now. Africa is on a decline, you know what I'm saying. And Africa is the throne of, is basically the power, the seat of power for the world. And so Africa has fallen, fallen down. The so-called indigenous Africans lose the stronghold on it, okay, because of these, because they find in trade routes, all right. And whoever can secure the trade routes, that's what the wars most of them was about. Whoever can secure the trade route, that's who's gonna control the land, and that's what it was about. So these Moors, they mixed up from Turks, Ottomans, Saudi Arabians, like I said, from all over Morocco, some Moors uh, from Ethiopia. You have so many different groups of Moors because the word itself supposedly, the word Moor belief, uh, supposedly means beloved, me or more. That's what in French when you say me or more, uh, love. And also it's supposed to mean black. It's supposed to be a connotation for black. More is supposed to be a connotation for black. Or Moresco is supposed to be a connotation for black. But some would disagree and say that uh, Moreno um, is not black. But I would say it is because when you think about your Moreno sites, Moreno, 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 that's where they're getting it from because most of the uh, most of the medical text is dealing with the Greek and the Italian. A lot of that stuff is in Greek and Italian, a lot of the me uh, medical texts. So when you think of Milano sites, where you get your melanin from, which makes you bad, you think of uh, Moreno, Moleno. You see what I'm saying? So they, they would say that this is a word to describe a black person. And some people would even say that this word came about in the Hellenistic period, that the Romans were calling us uh, Moors or Mores which means black. That's where the word Ethiopic come from. Ethiopic means uh, burnt face. Okay? Right. Burnt skin. So, uh, and that's the Greeks giving us this name. Uh, the Ethiopia. So, when you deal with Moors, like I said, once again, that's a that's a conglomerate of people. The Moors is a conglomerate of people. Um, so, you know, uh, now what I want to talk about, what I want to go into I want to give y'all this list of uh, top 15 people. This this the top 15 people. And once you 
pretty much just know the surface information about these top 15 people and just these people and what they did, you will basically understand the whole entire Spanish territories and the slave trade and how they was able to do this. Because a lot of people will say, well, how did Spain just come out of nowhere? How did they just, man, how did Spain get this power? Because a lot of people don't understand that when you're dealing with the Spanish Empire, when you're dealing with the Spanish language, you're dealing with the Latin Vulgate. And when you're dealing with Latin Vulgate, you're dealing with you're dealing with the Greek. You're dealing with Greek. That's what you're dealing with. So the Italians and the Latin, well, the Latins go back, well, I mean, and the Italians, they go back to the Greek. They language is similar. They all go back to the Greek. So, so what you're looking at, when you're looking at um, Spain and Portugal, you are looking at an extension of the Roman Empire because Alexander, they ruled all that area, Turkey, uh, 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 the Byzantine area, uh, 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 Macedonia, uh, Assyria, um, uh, Babylon, uh, all of that, India. They, he, he had all of that. All of that was under his rule. All of that was under his rule now. So now he falls off. The Romans get it. The Romans fall off to the Visigoths. And then that's where the Moors come in at. In 711, actually in 600, actually in 600 AD, actually is when they, is when they really uh, ramshack the, the uh, Roman Empire. That's when it finally falls off because the Roman Empire, what they don't tell you about the Roman Empire, not to get off track because I'm going to make this all make sense so you can understand how Spain gets its power. The, the Holy Roman Empire what they don't tell you and what they leave out most of the time when they talk about the Romans, the Romans was powerful because the Romans, whatever territory they would conquer, they would put those people in their military. So the Roman army consisted of several different ethnic groups, Egyptians, Ethiopians, all types of people, all types of people that they conquered, Turks, Ottomans, all type of people. So when these different groups, these different groups, if you go study the emperors, of Rome, none of them, none of the emperors ruled over five years. None of them, none of them was ruling over three years. You had mothers killing sons and sons killing mothers for the throne. You see what I'm saying? Because of all these different groups that consisted of the Romans. So when the Visigoths, boom, come hit them with that work, boom, they weak. The Visigoths come hit them, the Vandals, boom. Now here come the Ottomans and the Byzantine, which is a which is all an extension of Greece and these Turks. That's all an extension, all right. Of the Holy Roman Empire. So now they passing the baton down. They passing the baton down. And the baton, the true seat of power, true true power comes in seven around 600 to 711. That's when the Moors get the power. So you can clearly see that these Moors had dealing and mixing with the Ottomans. Okay. And then these Moors, they, they give you the Spanish language. They bring in the universities. They bring in the universities in Granada, Spain. They bring in the uh, Severe Row. They bring in them in uh, Polylinka University, uh, uh, Salinka University. Um, There's so many of them, man. They brought like like 100 and something universities, like 150 uh, plus universities. So, you know, that's that's how that whole, how, how Europe, okay, and how Spain, how they got into power because all of these people are basically they all in one agenda, which is to keep the Holy Roman rule, okay? So that's why it's called the Holy Roman, um, Holy Roman Catholic Church. 
You see, that's why it's because it's all dealing with the Greeks and the Rome, the Pope. The Pope. Okay, he was around. The Pope was in power back in ancient Greece. These popes have uh, Pope Pius and uh, Pope Clement. Clement and, and, and all of these different popes, they had power back then. And, and is it any coincidence that to see the power today lies in the Pope? The Pope bow down to no to nobody. Nobody can to, can rule over the Pope. Basically, these cardinal priests and these Pope. This is all dealing with Spain. This is all dealing with uh Europe and Spain. And um, so now to get to the ten people that I want to give y'all because I like to give as much scholarship as I can to be precise. Um, I want to start y'all out in a good place. So I'm gonna start y'all out with her name uh Cortez. Cortez, who was a uh, he was a conquistador, okay. Now <clears throat> he's a conquistador. Now Cortez could he 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 could speak the modern uh Aztec language, okay. And he traveled to a land uh by Mexico off the shores of Mexico called Tabasco, which is a small island, okay. And he found um this Spanish speaking sailor, okay, and um and he spoke Mayan too, okay, and um. On a place called Frontera, off the shore of Mexico, called Frontera, which is the capital. Okay, then Cortez was given a uh, this slave girl from a local chief. Her name was her name was uh, Malencha. Malencha. Her name was Malencha, and she spoke what's called the Arawakan language in Nahuatl. In Nahuatl. Okay, now she takes him to where he can find gold, and they travel off the coast of Mexico from Yucatan to Frontera. Okay, to Mexico, right off the port of Veracruz. So this is around South Mexico. Now, this is the conquistador. He's coming from. He's been commissioned by the Portugal. He's been permit, uh, commissioned by Portugal and Spain. All right, because they because they all in cahoots. Portugal and Spain is in cahoots, and they and they commissioning out. So this is this is the first name that I'm giving y'all. All right, which is and you guys should really learn about this brother. Uh, Cortez, because this this is this brother does some wicked things, and he really opens up for the transatlantic slave trade, and he really he really really is is a is a mass murderer, is a mass murderer. Him and Columbus, but anyway, um, and now um, and Veracruz, which is the South Mexico, this is where he has his first encounter with the Aztecs. All right, and when he met them, he had guns and horses, and mind you, the Aztecs they had never witnessed. You know, guns like that. So, uh, and this is all coming from the account, um, coming coming from the witnesses' account of the Aztecs. Okay, and it says that they, the Aztecs, says that they had sticks that shot out fire, and they rode and they ride deer high, as high as a house that foam and snot. They was talking about it was calling the horse a deer, and they were saying that these deer was riding. That they sit how high as a house and foam and snot. That's what they were describing the horses. Okay, that's these Aztec people. All right, they were describing these horses when they met him. Okay, and and and, and he took out Montezuma. Montezuma was they. Some would say that he was wicked. He was sacrificing people, and the people already wanted. He was an Aztec ruler. He was born 1466. They said he was a he was uh sacrificing people. Okay. And so most of the people of Montezuma, they wanted to see him out of there anyways. So they basically opened the open uh, met 
what's the name? Cortez with open arms. Okay. Hernan, A T R N A N. Hernan Cortez, C O R T E S. And he's the Aztec conqueror. All right. And that's somebody, and, and I'm going to get back to him, but that's just, and now this brother takes over Mexico now. He goes in and takes over Mexico. This is just the beginning. He go in, and this is this is the in the 1500s, in the early 1500s. He goes in and he conquers uh, Mexico. Now, next, I want to give you guys is uh, Francisco Pizarro. Now, this is a Spanish conquistador who led an expedition that conquered the Inca Empire. All right? Now, this is the Inca. Now, I just told you earlier that Cortez took the Mayan. Now, he goes out and he takes out the Inca Empire. Now, he's responsible for capturing and killing the Incan emperor, uh, Alahualpa. And um, he claims the land for Spain. So he kills him and takes over the land for Spain. He was assassinated. Now, this guy who, who goes and kills him, he ends up getting assassinated in Lima, Spain, on June 26, 1541, by a group of uh, supporters of Diego de... Uh, they are Almagro, and now Diego, that's that's your, that's Columbus, that's your, that's Columbus people, Diego, and I'm gonna I'm get around to him to who Diego was, okay? And he stormed the palace and killed him, as well as uh, he terrified the city council, okay? He terrified the city council as well. These people in Mexico, and he killed him. He and and he killed most of the people on the council, and and now he's the new governor, Diego. New governor of Peru, excuse me, of Peru, and Diego was executed shortly after that. The next year, in the Battle of Chupas, okay, and Diego was born 1471, and he was succeeded by uh, he was succeeded by Trujillo. I forget his name, Trujillo, but I know his name is uh, Trujillo Crooks of Castile. That's uh, of Castile, Cristobal Vaca de Castro. Is a Spanish uh, conquest of the of the uh, Incan Empire after this brother died. Okay, so that's somebody that y'all need to know. Another brother is uh, Vasco Nunez del Balboa. Now this brother, he is uh, he born fourteen seventy five and he dies in fifteen nineteen. Now his cause of death was decapitation. He was head of the Castilian. He was the explorer for the crown of Castile, which is Spain. His spouse was Maria. And uh, he traveled to the New World, the so-called New World, in this Inquisition and uh, the Intercaterra, which was given by the Pope in the 1500s. And he settled in Hispaniola, which known as his uh, little, little Spain, which is dealing with the Dominican Republic and Haiti. He founded the settlement of Santa Maria la Antigua, okay, uh, <clears throat> in present-day Panama. And then this was in 1510, which... He, he puts together in 1510 the first permanent European settlement in the mainlands of the Americas. All right? In Hispaniola, this brother does. He puts this together in Panama in 1510. Then we got in 1508, Juan, Juan Ponce uh, de Leon. This is a lieutenant under Columbus who uh, he was greeted by the native Tainos, okay? Uh, Ponce de Leon was actively involved in the the the, the Haiguye massacre. Okay. Of fifteen oh three in Puerto Rico. So Juan Ponce de Leon, he founds Puerto Rico in fifteen oh eight. But he slaughtered the Tainos and these other natives that was in so called Puerto Rico. 
okay? Because we know that when we do when we do uh, etymology, when you when you do the break, uh, the breakdown of etymology, um, when you even get to the word Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico was renamed. This was something that Columbus went and did because when they was conquering these places, they was also renaming them because that's what the new world. So Puerto Rico, uh, they changed it to rich port to the rich port because this is where a lot of gold is at. They found a lot of gold. So they, so they said this is the rich port or the port of the gold in Puerto Rico. So uh, that's somebody else that um, I feel like you guys should really know about. Um, Hernando de Soto. De Soto. Hernando de Soto. He was the, this was a Spanish explorer and conquistador who led the first Spanish and European expedition deep into the territories of modern-day United States or Central America. He is said to be amongst the first Europeans to have crossed the Mississippi River, okay? And he was born in the 1500s in the province of Barajo, Spain, okay? In the part of the Castilian, okay? There you go, Castilian again, Spain. And he died of fever um, in 1542, all right? Now, he, he, he put together the first province of the Mississippi River. He, and he traveled to Georgia. He traveled to Alabama. He went to Florida. He went to Mississippi. He went to Arkansas. Okay, and he basically was in search for gold. All right, and he was in tune and and, and reported by these Indian tribes uh, looking for a passage to China or the Pacific Coast. And this is in 1530. All right, while on Francisco, who I just talked about, Francisco Pizarro's expedition. Okay, and De Soto helped Francisco Pizarro uh, conquer Peru. He helped him conquer Peru. Now. Pedro de, de Alvarado, okay, was a Spanish conquistador and a government, and he was a governor, excuse me, of Guatemala. He also participated in the conquest of Cuba and Juan de Grujava expeditions of the coast of Yucatan Peninsula and, <clears throat> in 1519 off the Gulf of Mexico, and the conquest was led by who? In 1519, here, here go this name again, y'all, who I mentioned earlier, the first name I gave y'all. Hernan Cortez. Y'all remember that name because y'all finna see his name pop up a lot. Now this 1519, this is this is Hernan Cortez, all right? He is considered to be a conqueror of the Central America, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. All right. He was also renowned on his skills as a soldier. He is known for cruelty. He is he was known for being very cruel, treatment to the native population and mass murdering and the people of Mexico. All right, and this guy is born from 1485. All right, and he died in uh, 1541. So I'm leading y'all up. Now we're in the mid 1500s. Now I'm warming y'all up. We started off from 1492. I went from Columbus, Sir Francis Drake, and everything. All these brothers in 1492. So now I'm warming y'all up. We're in 1541 now. All right. Now uh, he comes through. He comes through Spain, uh, New Spain. He organized a fleet of 11 ships carrying 500 men. And horses. Now, Hernan Cortez was placed in command with Pedro de Alvarado, which is the brother I'm talking about, and his brothers also, which was George Gomez uh, Alvarado and Juan and and Juan El Bastardo, Juan the Bastard, basically, and gathered and gathering recruits from inland estates of Cuba. So they were recruiting people from Cuba too, putting them in the army. The crew included officers that became famous. Conquistadors, including Cristobal de Ali, 
which is a which is a famous uh conquistador explorer. Then Gonzalo de de Sandoval and Diego de Ordales. These are famous famous conquistadors. Now we to the next person, uh Panfilo Panfilo de Nervada. This is a Spanish conquistador and a soldier in America. He was the first to embark on Jamaica in 1510 as a soldier, and then he became in conquest of Cuba and led an expedition to Camagua. Okay, escorting uh, Bartholomew or Bartholomew de las Casas, who also described him being cool. Now, this brother uh, Panfilo de Nervas, he he murdered like up to 300,000 natives. Okay. And he's also remembered as being very cool. And also, he, he had two failed expeditions in 1520 when he was sent by, by the government of Mexico, uh, go I mean, to go up to Mexico by the governor of uh, Cuba, which was Diego, which is, that's, once again, that's Christopher Columbus, people, Diego Velasquez. So, not to lose, y'all. Now, if you've been following and you're paying attention, these are all Spaniards, part of the conquistadors, which is part of the uh, Portuguese and part of the people that's in Spain, Castile, Aragon, Castile, Aragon, okay, which is dealing with the crown of Spain and the crown and the rulers of Spain at this time that I'm speaking of is starting at the beginning of this uh, Spanish territory in 1492 with Christopher Columbus. We have Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand, all right, not to lose y'all, so y'all understand it. So all of these people that I'm naming, these are conquistadors, who going all around the Spanish territories and they conquering these places and they raging war. Now, not to lose y'all, I want y'all to understand that I'm taking y'all somewhere because now, after I read y'all these names, I'm about to blow y'all mind because I'm about to take y'all and let y'all understand exactly why the all of the Hispanic so-called Latin races, why they have dark Cuban, dark Puerto Rican, you got dark Colombians. You have dark people from Mexico. I'm going to break this down. I'm going to break down the languages. I'm going to break down the people that they took, the crops. I'm going to get into all of that. So I'm basically warming y'all up, and I'm getting y'all ready so y'all can have a preface and understand how these people was able to just set up and do all this malicious slave trading like this and, and, and go in and conquer them. So I'm trying to give y'all a preface and warm y'all up. So well, man. <clears throat> I appreciate the uh, the breakdown, man. We're going to cut it right there for part three, and we're going to hit them with part four, which will be the end of the lecture. Okay. Um, we appreciate you, man, like I say, breaking it down to where uh, a child can understand and uh, bringing everything full circle. Um, you know, if you, if you listen to this, um, for for me, I'm I'm really amazed by how many people have been slain. Um, you know, when you say two hundred thousand people, you know that's genocide, man. That's a lot of death. They killed. Um, that's, that's a lot. On, on, on their little inquisition, they killed twenty million. From from we talking fourteen ninety two to fifteen fifty, they didn't killed almost twenty million. Right, and and what's crazy is, man, you know. This guy, you know, Columbus is celebrated. You know, he's celebrated. But people really don't know the truth about how um, he got what he got and how many people were slain to get it. You know, I guarantee you, 
people really knew this information about this guy, people won't celebrate him as much. But, you know, this just goes to show you that um, history is written by the conquerors, man. Um, and that's just how it goes. You know, that's why it's very important to read and do your own research on certain individuals before you go and um, be in awe of them. And um, you really need to recognize, um, you know, who you are recognizing, you know, in a, in a, in a sense. But very enlightening, man, really, really shocking numbers uh, when you talk about the death and, and, and things that have happened over, over, over time. And what's so amazing, man, like I said, again, it's never talked about. You never hear this. You always hear about, you know, the new world and you see the pilgrims and you see all these different things. But um, if people really do this, man, it would be a totally different paradigm when it came to, to uh, Mr. Columbus. But again, man, thank you for your efforts and, and, and your research. Like I said, we're going to wrap it up here and uh, we're going to hit you with the last episode. Thank you for your patience and, and listening. And um, I want you guys to always remember that you listen to the Wake Your Ass Up podcast on your ass live one time just to free your mind. And again, thank you for listening. Hotel. Hotel. Hotel.